as a Christian, as a child of God, I used to be oppressed because I was never good enough. And the more I tried and the harder I tried, it seemed like the worse I got. I mean, I, I raised the standard. I raised the standard and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And, and then when I didn't do it and I fell short, I would feel guilt and I'd feel frustrated and I'd feel shame. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to set the afflicted or the oppressed free. You don't have to be enslaved by the tyranny of guilt and shame of not ever meeting the mark or meeting the standard. Happy 4th of July. I hope that you had the celebration yesterday in St. Mary's and uh, you that got to go to the fireworks. Um, I hope it was good. I usually try to go, uh, but this year we kind of stayed at home and uh, uh, kind of listening out for our daughter. Uh, we didn't know if we was going to have to take her to the hospital, but God is good and uh, God's taking care of everything. And we thank God for that. Amen. Amen. God is good. I'm so glad to see you here today. And we've got a lot of people, lots of people out of town. And I don't blame them for going out of town. Uh, most of them, I think, went up north to the mountains. Uh, I don't understand that. I mean, well, you know, when you're down here at the beach, why would you go to the mountains? I would go to the mountains with them. My wife would go to the beach. <laughs> Uh, I would go to the mountains. I love the mountains, but anyway. But we're glad that you're here this morning. I'm Pastor Randy, and we want to welcome you this morning uh, to this wonderful, happy 4th of July. And uh, it is it is our Independence Day. Uh, and so to this morning, uh, we usually do a, a series, and we've been in series, and we finished up the series last uh, Sunday that we were in. You know, since the beginning of the year, we, we've been going through a series on the life of Christ, and we talked about the life of Christ, and the purpose for that was that if we could re-familiarize ourselves with the life and the person of Jesus Christ, hopefully we will have a fresh new uh, love and that outlook and a love for Him, and, and it will change our lives. And I'm telling you what, God is just in, in that series, God has just opened my, my heart up to who he really is and what he has done for you and I. And then, you know, he did leave. He did ascend to the Father. But before he ascended to the Father, he told his disciples, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he will empower you. He will enable you to, uh, to do the work that I have called you to do, to, to be the person that I've called you to be. And I, I discovered something. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I can't be who Jesus wants me to be. I need, I need, I need the Holy Spirit working in and through my life to become the person that God has destined for me to become. And, and so I want, uh, you know, we used to say, I want more of the Spirit. I want more of the Spirit. Listen, I, and I shared this several times, you're not going to get more of the Spirit. You're going to learn to yield yourself more fully to the Spirit that is within you. I mean, when you get the Spirit, you don't get part of Him. You get all of Him. You get all of Him when you get the Holy Spirit. Amen? You get all of Him. I just need to learn to surrender my all to Him. And I want to surrender my all to him. And, and God has been doing some, uh, God has been doing some special works in my life. I just tell you, 
He's made me more aware of the spiritual gifts that he desires to work through me and you. And, uh, you know, uh, I've changed the way I pray a little bit. Yeah, I've changed the way I pray. And uh, I'm convinced that I don't have to yell at God, that God can hear me just in a still small voice. If I want to whisper, God can hear me, you know. And and so I've kind of changed the way I pray. And you probably say, well, how come you ain't changed the way you preach? You're still kind of loud. But anyway, maybe God will work on that too. But this morning, uh, we've been going through all that. And I want us to look again, look again, not at the life of Christ, but at the purpose for Jesus really coming to the earth. And there's four things that I want to share with you right quickly today about the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, today is Independence Day. And uh, today is known as Independence Day in the United States anyway, in the United States. And it is a day that we celebrate America's freedom from the tyranny of England under King George III. Now, if you are a historian, I love history. I love history. And, uh, and, and if you understood the, the, the tyranny that we were under, under King George III from England, uh, you would understand more of why there was a Declaration of Independence. Now, the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776 was not, was not intended to declare war on England. It was not. It was not intended ever to declare war with England. In fact, Mark Parsec says the intended purpose of the Declaration of Independence for the colonists was to declare to the world their belief in a personable, intimate God, infinite God. It was to declare their personal belief in an infinite God, their creator. Their creator. Notice the Declaration of Independence. Their creator who endowed them with certain, thank you, inalienable rights or absolute rights, absolute rights. To the men of that time, to the men of that time, it was self-evident that if the inalienable rights, why did I have a problem with that? I I sounded that out dozens of times before I got up here. And I get up here and look at you and I just get, anyway. That if the inalienable rights they were urging were not seen in the context of authority of God, then they were without content. They were illusions, nothing but dreams. You see, to have the absolute rights our forefathers had to acknowledge the absolute authority of God. I want to say that again. To have the absolute rights, our forefathers had to acknowledge the absolute authority of God. Because you see, there is no freedom without God and His authority to determine the morality upon which the laws of our land are founded. In God, in God we find the basis for our national freedom. However, we also find the basis for our spiritual freedom 
through God. You see, God's provision for our spiritual freedom is found in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So this morning on this Independence Day, I want us to look or begin to view the freedom that you and I have in Jesus Christ. You see, in Luke, the fourth chapter, in the beginning of his earthly ministry, remember when Jesus started his ministry and he was baptized in the Jordan River? And, the, and, and John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, and that Jesus Christ came to establish something brand new. He did not come to continue something old. He came to establish a new covenant with mankind, a new covenant that would be bought in the sacrifice that he would make for our sins, and not only to establish a new covenant, but a new command, and to establish a new kingdom. And the kingdom would not be like the kingdoms of the world. It would be different his kingdom would be different. And so he, 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 he is baptized in the Jordan River. He is uh, uh, led by the Spirit of the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for four, or after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And then we find that he comes back uh, out of the desert and he begins to share the gospel. And the scroll, the scroll is given on the, on the Sabbath, is given to Jesus. And he opens the scroll and reads what is spoken here in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Actually, he was reading from Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Now that's the NIV version. I kind of like the King James version. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty to them that are bruised or as NIV said, oppressed. You see, Jesus, at this very moment when he is given the scroll, he reads from Isaiah, and he makes known his mission. He makes known his purpose for you and I. His purpose for coming to this earth was to what? To set us at liberty. To give us a freedom that the world was not experiencing. I'm telling you today, as I... And if resting, as I am resting in the presence of my Savior, as I'm basking in his love, as I'm contemplating the, the adoption and the sonship of who I am, I'm telling you what, I have perfect peace, I have perfect joy, and I have contentment. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that's what the world is looking for. They're looking for someone to give them a life of joy. Now, that doesn't mean a life of joy is going to be always a life of happiness. Because I've learned something about happiness. Happiness is always determined by my circumstance. But joy can be because of my relationship with God. And I can have joy even when I'm not happy. 
Now, I like being happy. I like being happy, and I like having joy. But I discovered something. I may not always be happy, but I can have a joyful heart. And there may be chaos in my life, but I can have peace that passeth all understanding. And, and there may be a lot of things that I don't have, but I can be content in whatever state that I am in. And it's all because of a relationship with my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And so what I want us to do this morning for just a moment is to kind of look at four things that Jesus came to do. First of all, he said Jesus wanted to share the good news of freedom, of liberty, with the poor and brokenhearted. So I want to ask you this morning, is God partial to the poor? Is God really partial to the poor that he wants to share the good news of the poor to the poor and the brokenhearted? And I have to say no. God is not partial to the poor because Job said concerning God, who shows no partiality to princesses, to princess, and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. So you see, God doesn't favor anyone. The thing about the poor and I think this is important. The thing about the poor is that they are more likely to receive the message of good news because the poor are usually the ones that are contrite and broken. Think about that. The poor are usually the ones that are contrite and broken. And so they're more apt to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came for all of mankind, and I'm fixing to show you that. He came for all of mankind to redeem all of mankind, whether you're poor or whether you're rich. It doesn't matter. God has no favoritism. God has no favor, uh, favorite of people. God came for all people. That's why John said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, all of mankind. And so here we find that Jesus it says, I come to share good news of the freedom to those that are broken and to those that are, are poor. In fact, Psalms 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It takes a person of humility and understand what I'm saying. It takes a person of humility to receive the message of Jesus Christ. And James says it's the poor who are rich in faith. You see, Jesus wanted to share the good news to everyone who was willing to receive it. And so the message Jesus came was, I want you to know I came to heal your broken heart. Now, I tell you, my heart's been broken. There's been times in my life that my heart has been broken, and sometimes my heart has been broken because of things that happened in my physical life, because of relationships and different things. But there's been times that my heart has been broken because of my relationship with God. And you say, well, what are you talking about? You see, since I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I'm telling you what, there is something about having an intimate relationship with Him that I don't ever want to be without. 
And I have to admit, I'm not perfect. And I have to admit that I fall short sometimes. And I have to admit, I don't like to use this word, but I have to admit there are times that I sin. And when I sin, it breaks that fellowship I have with the Father. It breaks that fellowship. It doesn't mean I'm doomed to hell. Because, you know, I, I, I'm in his hand. I'm in the palm of his hand. And I want you to understand, you see, when, when I sin, it breaks my fellowship with my heavenly father. And when it breaks the fellowship I have with him, I become brokenhearted. Now, you may not be that way, but I have. And so Jesus says, I've come to give you the good news that you can be free from your brokenness and the brokenheartedness. You can be free. And so Jesus comes to set us free, and he wants to share the good news with those who are willing to humble themselves and listen to what he had to share and believe, and believe. Secondly, Jesus wanted to share freedom with the captives. Now think about that. Each and every person in this world, until they have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, are held captive by sin. In fact, Paul stated in 2 Timothy 2.26, he said how he wished that all people would come to their senses. Get that. That all people would come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Before we accepted Christ, we had been taken captive. We were prisoners of the enemy, of our enemy, which was Satan. He had taken me captive. I was doing his bidding. I was doing whatever he wanted me to do. Now you say, well, you know, I don't do what the devil tells me to do. Yeah, you do. If he's your master... If he's the one that's controlling you, notice what Paul said in Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And before we accepted Christ, we were captive by sin, by Satan, by the enemy himself. We were taken captive and we were doing exactly what he wanted us to do. But Jesus came to set you free. I want you to know today that I don't have to sin. And you say that kind of boastfully, Randy. Yeah, I don't have to sin. And the reason I don't have to sin is because Jesus Christ has set me free from the power of sin that ruled and reigned in my life. I don't have to. Does that mean I don't sin? No. Sometimes I sin, but if, it's, if I sin, it's because I make a choice. It's not, it's not that the devil made me do it. It's not that he made me do it. I'm set free from him. He has no authority. He has no power. But yet in this fleshly nature, I'm still enticed. I'm still tempted. And sometimes I make a bad choice. Now, I know Sister Kay never sins. I know she doesn't ever do anything wrong. <laughs> I pick at her. But all of us have sinned. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, 
we still fall short of the mark. But listen, notice what he said. Jesus says this in John 4 or John 8, 34 through 36. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free and Now listen, I am a child of God. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. And nothing, 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 nothing in the world can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. He has set me free. I am free indeed. Now, let's go to Romans, the sixth chapter, right quick. In Romans, the sixth chapter, Paul writes, and I want to show you something about this freedom. Paul, Paul is writing to the church, at, uh, the people at Rome, and he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? Shall we continue to sin that grace may increase? And he says, by no means, no, no, no. We don't go on sinning so that grace may increase. And then he says, no, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore, I love this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, Jesus Christ set me free from being a prisoner or bondage to sin. Sin does not control me. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I I never sin, but I want you to know I don't have to sin. I have the freedom from the power of sin in my life. If I do sin, it's a choice that I make. And every time I make those bad choices, I do have to say, God, I'm so sorry. I missed the mark. Because when I make that bad choice, it, it alienates me or separates me from fellowship doesn't pluck me out of my father's hand, separates me from the fellowship, the joy, and the contentment and the peace that I have with him. And all of a sudden, I, man, the moment I do it, I know, I know, oh God, there's something broke there. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Repent. Repent. And ask Christ to forgive you. Why? Because we are no longer, we are no longer uh, alive to sin, but alive to Christ. And I like what he says in verse 11, in the same way, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I want you to know something. When the enemy comes at me, when the enemy, and he does, he comes at me just as he comes to you. And when he comes at me, I tell you what, I have to consider myself dead to sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to do that. Thank you, Jesus, I don't want to say that. Oh, thank you, Jesus, because I don't want to react that way. Well, I'm going to tell you what, my flesh wants to react that way. 
But I don't consider myself a person of the flesh anymore. I consider myself a person of the Spirit. And because the Spirit is living in me, I have to say, consider myself. uh, uh, What he says there, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but, you know, doing physical work and working with your hands and working with hammers and pliers and different things, sometimes oops happen. Have you ever cut your finger with a pair of side cutters? You probably haven't because you're not an electrician, but if you're an electrician, how dumb is that? I'm just thinking, how dumb is that that I mash my finger with my pair of side cutters? Well, I'm just going to tell you, you know, when you do that, the flesh wants to cry out. Well, mine wants to scream out. I just did. Mine wants to scream out. But when that happens, when the flesh wants to scream out, I have to say, thank you, Jesus, that I don't want to do that. Because I am dead in Christ or, or dead to my sin and alive in Christ. You begin to think that way. You begin to think that way. You begin to think that way. you got to renew your thinking. And so I'm dead to sin, alive in Christ. Jesus Christ came to set me free from being a captive to the bondage of sin. And then thirdly, and I love this next one, Jesus came to give us freedom with those uh, from, give us to share the good news of freedom with those who are oppressed, oppressed. Now, what did he mean by that? What did he mean by the term oppressed? In Deuteronomy 28, 33, it describes oppression as crushed continually. Those who are oppressed are one step beyond captivity. They are not only enslaved, they are continually affected or afflicted, I should say, continually afflicted with the heavy burden of guilt and shame. You see, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you constantly afflicted by guilt and shame. He wants to say, you don't live up to the standard. You're not good enough. You'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll never overcome. And you're constantly afflicted by the guilt and the shame because I never, never, ever, ever measure up. Listen, I used to be that. As a Christian, as a child of God, I used to be oppressed because I was never good enough. And the more I tried and the harder I tried, it seemed like the worse I got. I mean, I, I raised the standard. I raised the standard and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And, and then when I didn't do it and I fell short, I would feel guilt and I'd feel frustrated and I'd feel shame. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to set the afflicted or the oppressed free. You don't have to be enslaved by the tyr- tyranny of guilt and shame of not ever meeting the mark or, ra- or meeting the standard. I tell you why I shared a story here many, many times about back years and years ago as a young minister and a young evangelist before I went into pastoring that I was trying, I was so trying to be good enough. 
Because I wanted to be successful. I wanted the Holy Spirit to work through me. I wanted the, the gifts of the Spirit to manifest. I wanted great things to happen. And so I got this thought in my mind somehow, and it was so deceitful, such a lie of the devil. I got this thought in my mind, well, if you will spend more time in prayer and more time fasting, then you're going to reach the goal that God wants you to reach. You're going to get good enough. You can pray 24 hours a day, and you can fast seven days a week if you want to. But you need to realize who you are in Jesus Christ. You need to realize that no matter how good you want to be, you're never going to be good enough within your flesh. My goodness, my righteousness is in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus or God the Father looks at me, he doesn't look at my how good I am, how good I'm performing. He looks at the righteousness that's within me through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so I was trying to measure up on my good works, and I never was good enough. And every time I failed, I felt the guilt and the shame. And now listen, when I use the term fail, I don't mean every time I sinned. I just had a goal. I just had a goal. I'm going to fast today. I'm going to fast today, and, and I'm going to pray today. And as I'm fasting today, now I, God is going to, God sees my heart, and God's going to draw me. I'm going to get more of his spirit. That's what he used to think. I'm going to get more of his spirit. No, I didn't get more of his spirit. I was just learning to be surrendered. But then when I didn't make the mark, I felt guilt and shame. Never measure up. I remember we were in revival, and it never fails when I plan to fast and pray the pastor's wife, who we were staying with, would always make my favorite meal. They didn't make my favorite meal when I was eating. They made my favorite meal when I was fasting. And so I'd fast all day long, and or just about all day long, and then supper would come, and I'd smell the biscuits, and I'd smell what they were cooking, and I'd think, well, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to offend them, so I'm going to go ahead and eat. I, that's what I said. I said, I don't want to offend them, so I'm going to go ahead and eat because I don't want them, I don't want them to think I don't enjoy their cooking or, or their food, so I would eat. And then after I ate, I'd feel so ashamed and so guilty. Oh, you didn't, miss, you didn't make the mark, buddy. You, you didn't do what uh, you, you, you felt like you needed to do today. And, and so, you know, you felt the guilt. And Jesus said, I came to set the oppressed free. Those that are living with guilt and shame and condemnation. Listen, there are things that have happened in your life that you didn't have nothing to do about. This is for someone today. There are things that have happened in your life that you had nothing to do with, but it happened. And yet the enemy is holding condemnation and guilt and, 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 and failure over you as if it was your fault. It's because of what you did or what you didn't do. And he's holding that over you. And I want you to know that Jesus said, I came to set you free from all of that condemnation, from all of that guilt, and from all of that fear. Because you are good enough because of me. God came to set you free. You don't have to live under that anymore. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then last of all, in fact, Jesus, he tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all, healing all who were under the power 
That word power means the oppression of the devil because God was with him. Do you know God is with you? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God doesn't want you to live with the guilt and the condemnation of the past or even the present. God wants you to be free. And last of all, we find that Jesus Christ came not only to set the oppressed free, but he came for those who were blind, to give them the recovery of sight. In John, the ninth chapter, verse 39, notice what Jesus said. For judgment I came, I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? He was not talking about physical blindness. Though Jesus did heal physical blindness, Jesus came to heal our spiritual blindness. We were all veiled. We were all spiritually blind. I want you to get that. Those who have not received the message of salvation in Jesus are walking in spiritual blindness. Paul said, and even if our gospel is veiled... The word gospel means the good news. Even if the, our good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God, little, little word, God, little G. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And sometimes I look at people and I think, how come they don't get it? How come they're walking around and they just don't get it? The reason they don't get it is because they are being veiled. Their eyes, their hearts are veiled. They're blinded by the God of this world or the gods of this world. He has them spiritually blind. And Jesus said, I came that those who don't see might see. That their eyes will be spiritually open. I tell you what, there's a passage that's been just yelling at me lately. A passage of scripture. And it says, the goodness of God or the kindness or goodness of God leads me to repentance. And I'm thinking how good my God is. How good my God is that he constantly leads me to repentance. Listen, repentance is not just for the unbeliever. Repentance is for you and I as Christians. Because there are times I miss the mark and I need to ask God to forgive me. And it's the kindness, it's the goodness of God that draws me to a place of repentance to say, God, I am so sorry. Because what you meant for, because you want good for my life. You know, I thought about the Ten Commandments that God gave to the children of Israel. In fact, I was reading in Exodus, and I was reading not just the Ten Commandments, but all the commands that God began to give to the children of Israel. And as I began to read those commands, and I began to understand the history of Israel, and how that Israel was under the tyranny of a, of, of a Pharaoh, how that they were slaves, they were slaves, and there, there was a heavy task and a burden. You see, the Israelites knew nothing of liberty. They knew nothing of freedom. 
And God delivered them. God delivered them miraculously from bondage and slavery of Pharaoh and was leading them into the promised land. And on the way to promised land, God stops him at Mount Sinai and he says, now listen, I want to give you some, I want to give you some laws. And as I begin to look at the laws that God began to give to the children of Israel and began to understand that they knew nothing of freedom, they knew nothing of liberty. They knew nothing of government. They knew nothing about how to govern themselves. And all of a sudden, God begins, them, begins to give them some laws. And as I look at those laws, every law that God gave them was for their benefit, was for their protection. It was for their good. It wasn't to hurt them. It wasn't to hinder them. It wasn't to keep them from enjoying life. It's so they could enjoy life. It really was. Now, not all those laws don't apply to us today. I mean, we don't sacrifice because Jesus was the last sacrifice. You know, so we, we don't do that. You know, we, you know, we, we, we can, you know, clothes, we can... You know, we, we wear polyester and cotton and all that stuff together. Under the law, you couldn't do that. It, it doesn't apply to us today. But I want you to understand that God meant good for the children of Israel. God means good for you. And when God begins to give you a revelation, when God begins to open your eyes, when God begins to, to, to open the veil, to move, move the veils away, and God begins to give you some instruction, and God begins to give you some, uh, I don't even like to call them laws, but you can call them whatever you want to call it. But all of a sudden, God gives you some principles to live by. You need to understand, God is just wanting good for your life. He really is. He's wanting good for my life. He's wanting good for my family. You know, I, I, I think about this, and I, I, I was ministering this week to someone who was in a, in, in a relationship, and, um, and what, the, what the husband did or whatever it was devastated the wife. But it not only devastated the wife, it devastated the, the children. It didn't affect just the relationship between the husband and wife. It devastated the children. And I look at the passage of Scripture where God says, Randy, you know, be true to your wife. Now, he doesn't say it like that. Be faithful to your spouse. Because you need to understand that, that it, 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 I want you to have a good relationship and experience love in its fullest. And not only that, but I want you to experience your children to experience love in its fullness. And all of a sudden, this family is distraught because of sin. Now, I'm not pointing my finger at anyone in this building, but I want you to understand when God gives you, when God moves the veils from your eyes and he gives you the truth, in fact, if you go back to John the 8th chapter, verse 31, and, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, I know Jesus is the truth, but the truth of God's word sets you free. It sets you at liberty. It gives you freedom. So you can experience God's love in its fullness. So you can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding that the world just doesn't understand. 
so you can experience contentment in whatever state you're in. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think of Paul. He said, I know what it means to be hungry. I know what it means to be full. I know what it means to have much, and I know what it means to have nothing to be without. But in all of these things, I've learned to be content in whatever state I am. And I, I tell you what, if you ever get to that place in your relationship with God, man, it just, it just brings life. It just brings life. And so Jesus said, I came to unveil, to give sight to the blind. And he was talking about the spiritually blind. He did give sight to the physical. I believe he does that and still can do that and still does that. But God came. Jesus came to those who would believe in him. And for those who would make a choice to look past their unbelief, the veil is taken away in Christ Jesus. You see, Derek, if you come, you see there is freedom in Christ. And if you want to experience this freedom in Jesus Christ, all you have to do is call on the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 and 9 says that if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, today we celebrate our freedom in America. But more than that, I want you to celebrate your freedom that you have in Christ. Come on up here, Wayne. I want you to listen. And I want you to respond as the Lord is leading you to respond. Jesus came to set the prisoners free. Jesus came to set those who were in sin free. Jesus came to unveil those that were spiritually blind. And Jesus came to heal the brokenness. And let me share this as Wayne begins to give the invitation. I don't care what your past has been. And when I say that, I don't mean that in a bad way. That I don't care. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Because you know what God is concerned about? He's concerned about now and your future. God wants to heal the past and give you victory for the future, Wayne. In John 8, and I think it's around verse 32, he said, you will know the truth. And it's the truth that will make you free. And knowing Jesus sets you free physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I thank God that he's given me that opportunity to let you know that walking in Jesus it frees you in every aspect of your life. It frees you in every way. You know, I was one of those people who worried about everything. I worried about what people thought about me. 
I worried about what people were saying about me. And I worried that I would never be good enough. Just a small testimony right now, you know, that will help you understand. I was preaching and ministering in front of a, it was well, it was thousands of people that was there. But the only thing kept going through my mind while I stood there and ministered, even with people at the altar and with people even coming up to give their life to Christ, I felt like I was not good enough. I felt there even praying to God, I'm not good enough to be here. I shouldn't even be here. Why did you have me here? I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm, I'm just not good enough. And even though everything that happened there, it was overshadowed by what I had in my head and in my mind. And I walked away from there not feeling the liberty and the freedom of what God did, but I walked away from there thinking I wasn't good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. And I want to let y'all know today, it's not about how good you are, but it's how good he is. It, 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 you will never be good enough because of this flesh. But he always good. So if there's somebody out there that need and want this Jesus that we're talking about, we, we'll pray with you. We want to pray for you. But you can stay right where you are. But if you would just bow your heads right where you are, if you don't want to walk, you don't have to. But if you would just accept Jesus in your... But, but for those of you who don't think you're good enough, and for those of you who are struggling to think that you got to keep doing more and more and more, just let God do it. Just let the Lord do it. So we just want to bow your heads in prayer uh, or... If you don't want to bow your head and pray, we just want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus and through the communion of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, come into our lives. Save our souls, Lord. Sign our names in the book of life. And Lord, give us that freedom to walk with you. Free us from people and free us from oppression and free us from bondages of Satan, O oh Lord. Free us, O oh Lord, that we will be free to be who we are in you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor because we know we are free in you. And I thank you now, Lord, for all those who have made that decision and for all those who, who repented and came to you from their heart. Lord, give them the freedom that they crave for. In your darling son's name, amen. Amen. Y'all give Pastor a hand. Man, didn't it? Wasn't that a powerful message? Liberating us and free. Would you stand? I want you to know there's no greater thing. There's no greater thing that can happen in your life than accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And knowing, and knowing that you're a child of Almighty God. I tell you today, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to my flesh. I'm not a slave to my guilt and to my shame. Because Jesus has declared me and adopted me 
and to his family today. I'm a child of the King. I am forgiven of my sins. And you are too if you accept Jesus Christ. And I want you to leave this church building today knowing, knowing, knowing that you're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I pray that's your prayer. And I pray that becomes your life. Derek's going to lead us in a course. And I just want us to worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. And this altar is open, as Wayne has said. And if you want to come and pray, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's a special need. But I want to pray. And I want you to be blessed. Would you sing? Would you lead us? Would you sing with Derek this morning? And Eli, JC. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you. Thank you.